Okay, good morning. Good morning. Morning. It's uh, brilliant to, to be here this morning. Um, we're continuing our series um, on, called None Like Him, looking at 10 ways that God is different to us. This morning, we're looking at the aspect of God that He is omnipresent. Um, and just as we kick off, can anyone tell me where this picture is taken? Anyone know where that picture is taken? We have Hamworthy, four states coming together. So yes, Carlos, you get um, a bonus point. Um, it's not Hamworthy, unfortunately. No. Um, this, is the, this is the Four Corners Monument. Um, it's the only place in the United States where you can stand in four states at the same time. It's a spot where Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona meet. Um, so if you search for Four Corners Monument on, um, on Google, then you have loads of different pictures of people standing and trying to be in four states at once. Um, we do have an English equivalent, um, if we have the next picture up. Um, this is a three-shire stone. There are a number of three-shire stones um, around the UK. Um, if you Google three-shire stones, you normally have pictures of stones and no people. Um, I don't know what that says about... Have you been to a three-shire stone? Lake, that is Lake District. Very good. You get a bonus point as well. Um, Phil and Carlos are level pegging at the moment, all the rest of you lagging far behind. Um, I don't know what it says about the two different cultures of uh, Americans loving to have their picture takers being, being in, in four places at once. Um, English people tend to be... It's just a stone. Um, <laughs> Uh, so we're exploring this whole idea of, of, um, of limits. Um, our body is a set of limits of height, of mass, of genetics, of shoe size, of arm span. And we often want to break free of these. We can like the idea of being omnipresent, literally all present. And we can see that others can sometimes seem to have this gift of being all-present, like that teacher at school that always turned up just behind you whenever you were doing something wrong. Um, usually everyone else was doing something wrong, the teacher wasn't there then, but as soon as you start doing something wrong, then the teacher arrives. But um, the truth is, only God is omnipresent, and this is just one of the ways that God is not like us. In previous weeks, we've looked at how God is eternal, of how he's unchanging, of how he's limitless. This morning, we're going to be exploring more of how God is omnipresent and why that is a good thing. So we're going to be looking at Psalm 139. So in the church Bibles, in the seats in front of you, if you'd like to per- turn to page 628, Psalm 139. This is a very familiar psalm to a, a number of us. Uh, it, it starts with, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Um, we're going to be reading from a little bit later on. And when we're looking at this psalm, we, we tend to see it as something that's very reassuring to us, of how uh, you, uh, you've searched me and you know me, and we often emphasize that element of, of me and I. Um, what I'd like us to do this, this morning, that while that is true and it's very reassuring, I would love us to, to flip it and uh, to think, actually, this says something incredible and amazing about God, because Scripture is all about God. It's not primarily about us, it's primarily about about God and how, who he is. 
So um, we're going to be reading from verse 7, Psalm 139, verse 7. And I'd like us to emphasize the, the God aspect rather than the us aspect. We'll get to the us a bit later on, but it's important for us to be looking at who God is and allowing um, that to shape our view. So Psalm 139, verse 7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my, de- my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night all around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Lord, we thank you for these truths that are contained within your words. And we want to come to this place of knowing more of you and letting this transform how we think. We thank you that you know us completely and you reveal yourself to us. So Lord, we pray this morning that we'll be changed as we look upon your greatness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first thing I'd like us to look at this morning is the fact that only God is limitless. Only God is limitless. It says here in verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? He's everywhere. Um, uh, Chris was particularly keen to be involved this morning. So Chris, can you come and stand here? Um, So it says, if I go up to the heavens, uh, Chris, can you point to the heavens? Fantastic. Um, um, Heavens are above. Um, You are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you go depths. Yeah, very good. Um, enjoying his, you're enjoying your, your commitment to the task. Uh, Chris actually did. You, you, some of you are doubting me. Chris actually said, if, if you need anyone to be involved, then I'm your man. So he, 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 has, uh, he has set himself up. Okay, um, uh, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, so the dawn in the east, where's east? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did enjoy your wings rising on the dawn, though. The point, the point we're aiming for is east. Okay, anyway, you can phone a friend over, over that way. Okay. Um, and then, um, if I sit on the far side of the sea, where's the sea? Uh, now, I'd like you to um, imagine that you're, that you're David, um, and you're writing in Israel, so the, um, the sun will rise uh, on the east, so point east again. Um, and if you're, you're David in Israel, um, uh, where is the sea? You can, uh, you can find a friend. Is it north, south, east, or west? West. Very good. So um, just to summarize, God is in heavens above. He's in the depths below. He's where the sun rises in the east and where the sea is in the west. Amazing. You can give Chris a round of applause. <clears throat> so this, David is, is there affirming that God is everywhere. He's above, he's below, he's east, he's west. Where, wherever you go, God is there. God isn't just big, he's uncontainable and he is everywhere. God isn't just all present, he's limitlessly present. He's fully present. There's not part of him in Paul, another part of him in Scotland, another part of him in Australia. Wherever it, where, in every single place, he is fully present. 
Uh, imagine you, you go on a trip a number of years ago. So uh, we went on a trip to Kenya in 2005. And for me to remember the details of that trip, I need to look at photos that we took, or I, I made a journal so I can remember things that we did. I have to look at the photos. I need to go to the journal to remember what happened. But God, God doesn't need this. He's fully present in all of space and in all of time. He doesn't need to look back at the, the photos to remember, oh, yeah, do you remember when that happened? He knows. He knows. He knows exactly what Kenya looks like right here and now as well. Nothing can contain him. We um, have a verse coming up on the screen. Jeremiah 23, verse 24 says, Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. But do, uh, do, I not, do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. There's nowhere that we can go where, where God isn't. He fills heaven and earth. God is present everywhere, but is able to act differently in different places. So it's not like he's an image being projected across the world so that he can be seen everywhere. He can actually act differently in different places. It's mind-blowing to think that he is present all day, every day with each one of us. So as we walk out of this place, wherever we go, God is with us and knows us fully and completely. Just stop and think about what that is like for a moment. We can, um, while we're in this room, we kind of know roughly what is going on with, with everyone but just imagine all the different places where we're going to be going this afternoon and this week. God knows, and God is there. That is, that is incredibly impressive, even just for the people in this room. But then you add into that the seven billion people across this planet, and you think, God knows exactly where they are. He's with them, and he is fully present. And then when we try and get our heads around that, uh, he's, he's not only fully present with those now, but with everyone past present, and future. Our God is limitless. Our God is awesome. In contrast, we often don't like our limitations, as is evidenced by that picture of uh, the four borders. We love to be in more than one place at once. Sometimes this is clearly apparent for us. If you've ever taken small children to a park, you know that as soon as you get there, they will all scatter in different directions. And you have to choose, okay, which one do I follow? And you think, okay, I'm going to follow the one which is most likely to hurt themselves or others. I'll follow that one, um, and hopefully the others will get on um, okay by themselves. But we also do this in, in more subtle ways. We use our, our phone to text someone to get one more thing while they're at the shop. Or we Skype with a, a friend or family member who's several time zones away. Or we watch videos of what's going on across the world, and we have a sense of being present. While these things can be incredibly helpful, it's not the same as, as actually being there and of being fully present. So when Vicky and I were engaged, uh, I was studying in Nottingham. She was studying in London. The most we could see each other was every other weekend. In between, we would uh, we'd, uh, call, uh, we'd send texts, although... Um, Nowadays, uh, you have limitless texts. Um, then um, we're very limited on text. And do you remember, I think we, at that time, you could only have 20 texts saved on your phone. And if you wanted to have any, receive any more texts, you had to delete um, some so you could get more of the text messages in, and you choose the ones that you liked, and you keep those. Any, anyone else remember doing that? Yeah. And, and then you'd, you'd fill them up. So we, we'd phone, we'd text. Um, we didn't have Skype. But the closest we came was Microsoft Instant Messenger. Um, if you remember that as well, the... Um, a dial-up connection, you couldn't have um, video calls, but you could get instant mes messenger. 
All those things were helpful, but it doesn't take the place of being physically present, of, of being there, the, the joy of actually being with each other. The truth is only God is fully with us always. We also see our, our limitations when we try and do more than one thing uh, at the same time. Like the, the classic is trying to do your homework while watching TV. The number of times that you kid yourself, you can actually do your homework while watching TV at the same time. Or um, uh, I, this week I was playing um, Settlers as a family. We were playing that, and a, a text came in. Um, I replied to it, carried on. And then I had, a, a, I think there were probably about six or seven really confusing text messages between us. Uh, and then I realized that I've read the first message wrong uh, because I was trying to do something else at the same time. Uh, we see our, our limits. Um, we, we cannot multitask. I know I'm, I'm a guy and, and may not be brilliant at multitasking in the, in the best of times, but all of us have, have limits. Even in this room, we're fully engaged on, on what I'm saying, hopefully fully engaged on, on what I'm saying. Our minds can wander. You can think, hmm, I, I wonder what's for lunch which is an excellent question, but one to be saved for uh, a few moments' time. Or you might think, did I finish that, that job at, at work? Or you look across the room and you wonder, has that person had their hair cut? I wonder where they had it cut. Um, even where we're fully present in one place, our minds uh, can wander. But only God can be fully present and fully focused. He's, he's here with us now. He is um, with uh, Matthew in, in Nepal with sent a number of updates from his, his time in Nepal serving the churches out there. God is fully present there. We had Mark and Ruth uh, Zili last week. He's fully present with them as they travel back to Istanbul. He's fully present with you in the office this week or as you go shopping, as you go about your day-to-day -day life. God is fully present with you. He's not distracted. He's not more interested than someone else wondering what's going on over there. He knows you and is interested in your life now. We're always in his presence, and this is a good thing. Verse 10 of Psalm 139 says, Even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. It's wonderful truth. You may need to know that this morning. Even there, wherever we are, your right hand will guide me. It will bring guidance. will bring direction to us. Your right hand, a symbol of strength, will hold me fast. will hold on. Whatever we feel, whether we feel we are... <clears throat> Slipping or in trouble, God's hand will hold us fast. He's always faithful. He is always good. So God is, is limitless. You're present. Secondly, I want us to see that God is present both in darkness and in light. God is present both in darkness and in light. Again, let's go back to our passage. Psalm 139 says, verse 11, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God is present even in the darkest of our situations. And some of these are of our own making. Often we, we try to get away with, with things uh, if we think no one is looking. So even this morning, I, I call um, one of my three kids, I won't mention names, but he was the youngest one, um, <laughs> Stealing sugar from, uh, from, from the back there, and so tell him in no uncertain terms, you're not to do that, come away. Um, and then a few minutes later on, he was there over 
by the sugar. He didn't know I was there, and just reaching his hand into the sugar bowl. And then he turned around and saw me, and did his very best to look completely innocent, as if he was, nothing was going to happen. Um, I think, Bren, you caught him as well, didn't you? So if, if we think we can get away with it, if we think that no one's watching, then, then we'll do those things that we know are wrong. How would you behave if you thought that uh, someone was watching you all the time? Would you say those words about that person if they were in the room with you? Would you be watching that if someone else was sitting right next to you at the time? Would you think those things if someone else could see what was going through your mind? The truth is God is there and he knows. And we often know this truth, but we, we push it from our minds because we find, it, we, we find it hard to think that God knows everything that we have done. Because ultimately, when we get things wrong, we are sinning against God. Romans 1, Paul says in verse 20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Sin results from knowing God, but not responding rightly to his greatness, knowing that he is good, knowing that he is righteous, knowing that he has made everything, but then choosing to go our own way, When we sin, we reject God and what he has made. We put ourselves at the center, thinking that we know best or that we can do everything, thinking that my needs are the most important, rather than responding to the great and awesome and powerful God. God is there when you sin, in those moments when you hope no one is watching you. But the truth is God is also there at the cross taking the punishment for our sin. Romans 3, 23 and 24 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God knew that you would sin. God knows everything that we will do, past, present, and future. It doesn't come as a surprise to him. God chose to go to the cross to take our sin. God is there to bring grace, but we do need to respond to him. We need to confess and say, yes, I I have done this. Even when I catch my kids doing something they're they're not supposed to be doing, they know they've done it. I know that they've done it, but I'm looking for that sense of of repentance, of, of saying sorry, and then restitution can be made. Because God is there to bring light. God sees all and is ready to forgive. God is present to bring help. On Tuesday night, we were here um, looking at community Bible reading um, and the um, amazing power of that, of reading Scripture together. And on Tuesday night, we read Psalm 23. And Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Whether we realize it or not, God is there. Even on the darkest of days, we're to know that God is present with us. So what do we do if we don't feel it? What do we do if we think, okay, it says God is there, but I really don't feel it today. 
Well, Paul helps us in this. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Even, even those difficult moments, even those hardest, hardest days. Does Paul really mean that? He says, just in case anyone was, was wondering, he says, I will say it again, rejoice. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. What, what is the... What is the center of the meaning that we can re- rejoice? says, he carries on, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. God is always with us. There's also in there the, the sense of God is coming back. Jesus is coming back soon. We have an eternal hope, which we'll look at in a moment. But this is the source of, of our joy. And he goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So when we, when we don't feel it, we come to God in, in prayer and petition and say, God, this is how I'm feeling. This is what is going on. I come to the one who is present in every situation. I will trust in you. I will choose to rejoice in you. Notice it also with thanksgiving. When things are hard, we often turn in on ourselves and only look at the negative, only look on the, the bad things that are happening. Thanksgiving is so important. Even in the most difficult of situations, we know that God brings grace and there are things that we can be thanking God for, even if, if it is an, uh, an eternity with him or, or, a sal- or for Jesus going to the cross for our salvation. Even if we think, in this moment, in my life, there's nothing else I can give thanks for, you can, we can be giving thanks for that. And it says, present your request to God. Why? Because he's there. He's fully present. He's with us in every moment. And then it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice it doesn't say that the peace will come first, and then, then we'll go into a prayer and petition and thanksgiving and presenting our request to God. We need to do that first, and then peace will come. It's important that we look to the truth of who God is and let that shape how we feel. We need to choose to look to him. The last thing I'd like us to do as we're exploring this whole aspect of God being present everywhere is to, um, to quickly go through the whole Bible. That's, is that fine with you? It won't take long, I promise. Um, but what I'd love, love us to do is just to notice in different areas um, how God loves for us to know his presence. This is part of God's purpose. God is everywhere, and this is difficult to get our minds fully around. It's a wonderful truth. But he does love to make his presence known. And we see this, see this throughout the story of Scripture. So right at the very beginning in, in creation, we see in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So before the world, before space and dimensions, God existed if we think all of our reference points for, um, for geography, whether it be mountains or oceans or stars or galaxies, each of them have been created by him and are sustained by him. God is present through all. All the limits that we can see have been set by him. So God is, is not bound by any limits of time and space and presence, but he loves for us to know him. The Garden of Eden was a place for people to enjoy God's presence. We see also in Psalm 16, verse 11, 
You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This is his desire. He loves for his people to know him. He loves to be present to bless. We do have trouble at times accepting God's rule, as we've seen already. We think we know best, and we turn our backs on him. We, at this moment, are forgetting that he is over all. He has created everything. So we, we see that. We, we see that, that, that people rebelled against God. Although his presence was good, they went their, their own way. So what God did was then he called for himself a people. From all those people who rejected God, he called himself a people. And the, the constant refrain we see throughout the Old Testament is, I will be with you. I will be with you. We see that in Moses and the burning bush. God appears to him. Moses is afraid. He's not sure what's going on. But the constant refrain to Moses is, I will be with you. As God gives the covenant on Mount Sinai, God's presence came down and descended powerfully. I will be with you. While God's people were in the wilderness, God's presence was signified by the Ark of the Covenant which inside um, had the Ten Commandments and was placed inside the, the tabernacle, a, a big tent that they can move around as they're wandering in the wilderness. It says this in Exodus chapter 40. Um, it says, Then the cloud covered the tent of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God is everywhere. God is present in every single situation. But here we see God's special presence is known. He reveals himself. The truth is, if we could see the fullness of God, there's no way any of us could stand because he is too holy. He is too awesome. Here, in the glory of God filling the tabernacle, Moses couldn't go in. Moses couldn't go in because it was too awesome. God fills heaven and earth, but he chooses places where his people can know him. So his presence went with the Israelites. He went with them in a, in a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire. His presence was there. Joshua also led the people in, into the promised land. And the constant refrain to him was, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. Why? Because I will be with you. I will be with you. Therefore, be bold and courageous. That promise is the same for us. We're not to be afraid. We're not to be discouraged if we see the, the call that God has placed on our lives. We can be bold and courageous because God is with us. When they do enter the promised land, um, they ha- they, instead of a tabernacle, a tent, they build a, an impressive temple to house the presence of God, a more permanent version of the tabernacle. Again, um, in 2 Chronicles 7, Solomon this time is praying, praying for the, the temple um, when Solomon, Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground. And they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good and his love endures forever. When we see a fraction of God's holy and awesome presence, our whole perspective and countenance changes. 
we worship, we adore, we declare his goodness. I don't know if you've ever experienced that yourself, a sense of God's presence, a sense of God's power. It's important that we, we know things about God, but he also loves to reveal himself to us so we can experience him today. Now, you, you may not have had that experience of falling face down because of the presence of God is, is that thick. You may well have done. But it's important for us to be expecting God to move, expecting him to reveal himself to us. So we see that God has been at work in revealing himself in, in creation, in calling for himself a people. Next, I want us to see... Um, about the incarnation. So we've done the Old Testament, so we're going, we're going fairly, fairly swiftly. We're now into the New Testament. Um, and before Jesus, if you wanted to meet with God, you would have to come to the temple. You'd have to um, go to that place. You'd have to go through a certain number of rituals. And in fact, only one person could go into the Holy of Holies, the high priest, once a year. But when Jesus came, everything changed. So let's, uh, let's turn and read this. John chapter 1. Let's have a look in our, in our Bibles. John chapter 1 um, and verse 14. It's on page um, 1063. 1063. John 1 verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amazing words which we uh, often look at around Christmas. The, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The living God who fills heaven and earth comes in human form as the man Jesus. And that phrase, it made his dwelling amongst us, is, is literally he, he tabernacled amongst us. We've always, already seen the importance of that word, of God's presence with his people. He came with a purpose. Jesus came so that all people could know God's holy presence and enjoy him. And then a little bit later on in, in John chapter 4, Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well, and he tells her that Jesus is there to usher in a new age, where it doesn't matter whether you're worshipping on this mountain or that mountain, you can worship God anywhere because Jesus has come. Because our sins have been dealt with, whether they're in public or in private, God knows them and has dealt with them when we repent. The curtain is torn in two. The curtain that separated the presence of God from everyone else when Jesus died, it was torn in two. Now God's presence can be known anywhere. And this is good news, and it's to be good news to be taken by us, by the church. So no longer is it about one nation, but it's about a people to the nations. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, that call us to go to the nations, and again, notice the promise I will be with you always to the very end of the age. The presence of God is no longer in one place, in one nation. Now the people are the temple. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? So it's not about a tent, it's not about a particular mountain, it's not about a burning bush that has been uh, consumed God's presence is represented by us. It says, you yourselves are God's temple. That, that you is plural, it's not singular. So us as a body, us as the church, we take God's presence with us. 
This is shown in, in community. This is shown as we break bread together. This is shown as we live lives full of grace and truth. We carry the presence of God and his blessing with us. We make him known. And we're all the time pointing to Jesus. And then finally, as we look through the, the presence of God, we, we, throughout Scripture, we see we're looking towards a future hope. Revelation 21, verse 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This is where we're heading, knowing God's presence with us perfectly. No wonder Paul says in Philippians, to live is Christ and to die is gain. With this view of, of God's presence and God's goodness, it transforms how we live. So as we are looking at this truth of God being omnipresent, of God being everywhere and fully present, we to know that God is, is with us now, and we to know that God is worthy of worship. A few days ago, in, um, as we were reading in our CBR, Community Bible Reading Journals, we were reading Luke 24. And after the disciples saw Jesus ascend to heaven, they worshipped and went with joy, returning to praise in the temple, the place of, of God's presence. Seeing the greatness of God, his wonder, leads to worship and enjoyment of his presence. Now that, that Jesus has come, we can encounter God anywhere. God is awesome, but our first response should be that of worship. Knowing that he is not able to be limited. Uh, at the beginning of our, our time together, we were looking at Psalm 139 and verse 7. It says, where can I flee from your presence? And it, that's a question that the, the answer is nowhere. I can't flee from your presence. But the question is, why would you want to flee if, if God is good if God has the very best for you. You may be thinking that this morning. You may be exploring, wondering, is, is this God true? Who is this Jesus person? You may be thinking, can I, can I flee from him? Do I want to flee from him? If you're facing hard times, that might be tempting to flee from him because although God is, is everywhere, we can in our hearts flee from him. We can turn away from him. Why should we try to, to run from God? Because he's everywhere. We'll find him there. So our choice is to run to him, to enjoy him, to allow his truth to shape our lives, and to abide in him, to enjoy him day by day. Jen Wilkin, who um, wrote the book None Like Him, which this series is based on, says, when we reach for omnipresence ourselves, we guarantee that we will be fully present nowhere, spread thin, People of divided attentions, affections, efforts, and loyalties. It's better to trust that these bodies which tether us to one location are good limits set, given by a good God. When we trust him as fully present everywhere, we are finally free to be fully present wherever he has placed us. When we trust him as fully present everywhere, we are finally free to be fully present wherever he has placed us. Only God is everywhere. We are to live where God has placed us now. He's here. He's now. 
And he wants us to know him and to enjoy his goodness and his presence. We read earlier, earlier from Jeremiah 23, verse 23. It says, Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. God is over all and he's nearby. And it's important that we embrace both of these truths. That he is awesome in his power. He's present in every place, past, present, and future across this world. And he also knows you and loves you and wants you to know him. And as we, we saw in that brief survey of, of Scripture, God loves to pour out his presence and for us to enjoy him and to be changed in his presence. Wherever we are, God is limitless, limitlessly present. Let's flee to him. Why don't we respond? Let's stand together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are limitlessly present. We praise you that you are are the only one who is omnipresent. You are the only one who is over all. And so, Lord, here in this place, I pray that we would catch a, a greater glimpse of you. Just as Moses saw your glory and your power and your presence, just as your presence came at the temple. And they could only say, you are good and your love endures. And we thank you that is true today. And as we are in this place, we ask you, won't you reveal yourself afresh to us, or maybe for, for the first time, that we would see your presence with us. We would see your goodness. And Lord, let us be changed in your presence. So Holy Spirit, I pray when you rest on us, I pray won't you be first and foremost in our minds, whatever may be going on in our lives, I pray that we'll be looking to you first and then looking to those things in the light of who you are and of your power and your presence. So I pray, Holy Spirit, come. Fill our minds, fill our vision that you may be glorified on this earth and for all eternity. We say, come Lord. Thank you.